I'm really glad you're here this morning, and I'm honored to be back here, and I appreciate Ken allowing me the privilege to come back and speak these next three weeks. We had a great service this morning, I thought, in the 8.30 service, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to say to you and me this morning. It's going to be the same message, but it'll be done a little different because that's kind of the way I do things. But I'm glad you're here this morning, and if you're glad to be here this morning, can I get an amen? Amen. Father, we bless you this morning, and we thank you again for the gift of this day. We had nothing to do with getting here. It was all by the grace of God. And through your grace and your mercy, you watch over us, you care for us. But God, mostly you speak to us. You always have a word for us. And I think this morning will be no different. So God, will you just be the one that would come and speak to my heart, to our hearts, and let us hear from you. And I give you thanks and I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. What is it that God uses in your own life to teach you a lesson? A lot of things that happen to us on a daily basis, is it not? Whether it be something physically, whether it be something with your cars. I have car trouble about every other day at my home. In fact, Lisa and I were in a car accident on Thursday morning, Friday morning of this week in the driveway. <laughs> and she wasn't driving. It was me, Lee, driving. We have four cars. We have three people to live there. I have two cars. Not that I'm special or rich, but we've got two, I've got two cars. I keep one at the end of the driveway. I was taking her to work because her car is in the shop. So I got in it, backed up. We were talking. I just backed up and tore the back of the other car up a little bit. I had to get out and push my bumper back on to my car. There's something always going on in our lives. Now, we can either get mad, we can get angry, we can get bitter, we can blame God, we can start hollering, we can get screaming, we can start complaining, we can start yelling, and all of these things. But you know what? I've learned the hard way that sometimes God uses all these little bitty things in our life to get our attention. Because sometimes he wants to say something to us. Sometimes he wants to bring a word to us. So what we're going to be studying for the next three Sundays is the book of Jonah. And the reason why I studied this and looked at this this way, when, G when Ken asked me to speak, he said, I want you to come for the next three Sundays. I said, okay, I love to do series. I do series all the time. And I thought, what can I do for three weeks at First Baptist Noonan? And God impressed on my mind immediately that Jonah was in the belly of the earth, I mean, in the belly of the fish for three days. And I thought, as I do when God speaks to me, I thought, okay, what does that mean? Three days in the belly of this fish. So I began to research that. And guess what I found out as I began to research Jonah in the belly of the fish and what happened those three days that he was in the belly of the fish. You know what I found as I began to discover that? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I told God, I said, boy, God, this is going to be interesting. That There's no research. All the commentaries, they just kind of talk about, yeah, he was in the belly. Yes, he was in the belly. He was there because of disobedience. He was there because of this. He was because of that. But I thought, you know what? There had to be something going on in those three days in Jonah's life. And if you look at the whole book, and by the end of this series, I think you and I will understand that those three days were three monumental days in the life of Jonah. 
It wasn't just a place to hang out. Some scholars believe that he died or passed out or went to sleep. I don't think so. According to the book, according to chapter 2, he was very alive, he was very well, and he was actively seeking God while he was in the belly of that fish. What is it that God uses in your life and my life to show us himself, to speak a word into our spirit? What is it that God's trying to communicate with you and me even this morning in January of 2024? I know it's Sunday morning. I know it's church. I know a lot of people are here because of habit or routine or ritualistic or they hear. And I understand that because I'm here too. And we all have those things in our life. But could God interrupt our life this morning and bring us a word? Could God say something to you and me that would be fresh, that would be new, that would be exciting, that would be gripping, that God might be able to pour something into you and pour something into me this morning that can absolutely change our life and change our destiny forever? Could that happen? I think it can. And I believe it can. And that's been my prayer since I've been invited to come here, that God will not just give us three Sundays that we do church, sing songs, preach a sermon, and go home, but that God might get a hold of what his word says for us. So if you got your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Jonah, because we're going to be reading in just a moment from the second chapter. And from that chapter, we're going to discover some tremendous things that God was doing in the book of Jonah. After I finished the 8.30 service, a guy came up and said, Well, Randy, I loved that sermon this morning. That was great. It really spoke to me. But there was something really fishy about that. <laughs> I said, Well, I was hoping you'd have a whale of a time. But anyway, so <laughs> don't get me started. Do not get me started. The word lesson. Three days for Jonah to learn his lesson. Three days. Sometimes it takes me three years, sometimes 30 years, it seemed like. Your timetable depends on you, but for Jonah, it took him three days. Three days. Some people don't even believe that that really happened. The skeptics say, well, there's no way a man can live in the belly of a fish for three days, be tossed and turned and in the middle of all the stuff that's going on in his stomach, all the fish, all the slush, all the junk that the whale eats during the day. There's no way humanly possible that can happen. Well, this is not a human book. It is not a human story. It's a supernatural book about a supernatural God. And if God wants you to stay alive for three days in the belly of the fish, guess what? God can do that. So I believe it was a story because Jesus himself quoted about that story. He said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth three days. So I believe it really happened. I believe Jonah is a real story about a real man that spent three days in this fish. Not asleep, not unconscious. He didn't die. God used this belly to speak to him and teach him a lesson. I asked the 830 service. I'm not even going to ask y'all because I don't think anybody would raise their hand. But I said, hey, let me ask you a question. How many in this room, speaking of the chapel over there, how many this morning has ever been inside the belly of a fish? Raise your hand. Not a single person raised their hand. But I said, let me ask you this. How many people in this room has ever had a bad day? How many in this room has ever had a bad situation? 
How many in this room have ever had something that felt like it was overcoming you or had you in some kind of a vice or in some kind of strain or in some kind of a situation that was beyond your control? Maybe it was a diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe it was a bankruptcy or a divorce or, or a child problem or what Russell and them are facing now with their child. What, what is it that God uses to put us in a position, in a situation that he can teach us the most incredible lesson you'll ever learn in your life. And here is Jonah going to be taught this lesson from inside the belly of a fish. I wish we could learn it in church and taking notes and writing down things. I wish we could grasp it and get a hold of it in a place like this. But sometimes... We come, we listen, we leave, and we go on with our life. And then God has to use these extremes sometimes to get our attention and speak to us. But God wants to teach us a lesson. I love doing word study. And I looked up the word lesson so that I could have a good definition to share with myself and to share with you because we're going to look at this for three, the next three weeks on God teaching us lessons. The word lesson simply means this, an experience that teaches you how to behave better in a similar situation in the future. Now, folks, that is a classic definition of the life of Jonah. God was going to teach him a lesson because he blew it the first time, right? <laughs> so he says, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to show you something about your life. I'm going to teach you something that when the next time you get an opportunity like this, you will treat it just a little bit differently. Boy, don't that sound like God to you. Don't that sound like how God teaches us things? A lot of people think, well, God was mad at Jonah. God wasn't mad at Jonah. Some say, well, God was judging Jonah, throwing him in that belly of that fish and tossing, turning him for three days and Joggling his mind and his body and all that stuff. God was judging him. No, God wasn't judging him. God was lovingly, lovingly, compassionately, gracefully teaching him an incredible lesson because in God's infinite wisdom, he knew that Jonah was the only person that he wanted to use to get to Nineveh. I've been doing this a long time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm convinced now more than ever that you and I have certain things that we can do. And if we don't do it, it won't get done. God's not going to raise up somebody else. If I disobey him, well, Randy wouldn't do it, so let me get Bob to do it or Billy or Susan. I'll, I'll get them to finish what Randy wouldn't do. I don't think that happens sometimes. I think you and I have such a calling on our life and such a gift that God's gifted us with that if we don't do it, it won't get done. So here is God in his mind of minds, in his heart of hearts saying, you know what? I know that guy's got it in him. I know that guy will come through for me. I know that guy will obey me. I know and believe in my own heart that this guy will complete the task that I've asked him to do. But man, he's a hard case. He, he, he's a guy that I have to just do the extreme with. Now, folks, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes that's my life. What about yours? I wish I could come and just sit on the pew in a church and hear a preacher preach and I write down something. This is what I'm going to do. And I get up and go do it. No, no, no. Sometimes I have to learn it. 
the hard way. Well, there's Jonah in a nutshell. And you know the story very well. Go to Nineveh. Warn the people. Tell them about the coming judgment. Huh. I tell you what, God, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that direction. I don't like that city. In fact, I hate those people down there. I just despise them. I hate them with all my heart, body, soul, and mind. I hate the Ninevites. So I'm not going there. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And it's 2,500 miles in the, in the opposite direction, in the absolute opposite direction. In fact, I'm going to go so far away from Nineveh that I'm going to get out of your presence. Now, surely none of us in this room think that's possible. But you and I can hide or get so far in sin or get so far away from God that we're out of his presence and out of his thoughts and out of his mind. But I think that's what Jonah might have been thinking. I'm going to go so far away, God will forget about me. God won't be down in Tarshish, and I'll be home free. And in fact, he got on this boat with these people. This storm comes up because God created the storm. And the storm gets so bad and so boisterous, it's beating and banging the boat, and they're trying to figure out who's the problem, what's the problem, casting a lot. Everybody's calling on their God, and they finally found Jonah. And where's Jonah? Jonah's down in the bottom of the ship, sound asleep. Can you, are you kidding me? Sound asleep. Thought, aha. Whew, I beat God on that one. <laughs> Whew, man, he's way away. I'm way away. I'm far from God. God's far from me. Oh, wow. I'm just going to take a break and relax. In fact, I'm just going to go to bed and go to sleep. And he sounds, the Bible said he's sound asleep. And they woke him up and startled him. Jonah, 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 call on your God. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. And, I, and I, he finally realized, you know what, guys? I know what's going on. I know God, and I know what's going on. This storm is because of me. This mess that we're all in is because of me. Just go ahead and get rid of me. I thought, if you're the problem, you're it, buddy. And they picked him up and chunked him. Threw him over, kapoosh, into the water. And guess what? God had the most remarkable uber in history. <laughs> and that uber just kind of slid right up beside where Jonah was out there probably tossing and turning and carrying on and having a fit and realizing what he's... And here comes God's uber. Picked him up, swallowed him, and here they go for this long three-day journey of a ride. And during that time, those three days... I don't think he just took a break, went to sleep, thought, well, I don't think that. I'm telling you, God did a work at Jonah's worst part of his life. Now, that's the way God is. That's how good God is. That's how loving God is. When you think you've been deserted, when you think you've done the unpardonable sin, when you think it's over, when you think it's done, when you think it's bigger than you are, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? God is ready to show up to do something so supernatural that when it's all said and done, he'll get the glory. He'll get the praise. And that's exactly what happened in the life of Jonah. C.S. Lewis says this, God allows us to experience the low points of life 
in order to teach us lessons. There's that word, lessons, that we could learn in no other way. Could God pull Jonah to the side and say, Jonah, I got something to say to you, buddy. You better listen. You better listen right now. Could that happen? Yes. Could Jonah have been in some kind of seminar and God spoke to him and he got a hold of it and obeyed God and everything was fine? Could have, yes, that could have, but that was not going to work in Jonah's life. So God used this extreme thing, this, this, this incredible thing, and put him inside the belly of the great fish. Now he's inside of there. But listen to what James Augie says. God brings men and women into deep waters not to drown them, but to cleanse them. I think sometimes when you and I go through these Jonah experiences, these times that, that we might not be doing exactly what God wants us to do and we're struggling and having difficulties... God puts us in these situations or allows these situations or whatever you want to call it, however you want to theologically explain it away, I care not. But God sees these as wonderful teaching moments to teach us some of the greatest lessons we've ever been. And he's not trying to drown you. He's trying to cleanse you. He's trying to get you back where he wants you to be so you can finish and fulfill what he called you to do. And I wonder if there's anybody sitting in this room this morning, maybe somebody watching online this morning, if there's anybody in this room that maybe needs to tell God you're sorry and repent and go back to doing what God had called you to do. I've talked to pastors my whole ministry, and I've talked to congregational people my whole ministry, and I've had several of them through the years privately tell me, you know what, Pastor? You know what, Pastor? Man, you were speaking to me this morning. God called me to do this, and God called me to do this, and God wanted me to do this, and God wanted me to do that, but I simply did not do that because of fear, or my wife didn't want me to, or my family didn't want me to, or, or I was going to have to move, and all this kind of stuff. And I've been sitting in church every Sunday knowing that I'm not doing what you called me to do. I said, well, tell me what's happened since then. And they say, you know what? My life has been, been nothing but one catastrophe after another. You ever been in the belly before? No. Have you ever had a bad day, bad situation? Yes. Sometimes God's not trying to drown us. He's trying to cleanse us. So Jonah finds himself in this belly thinking, this is not working right. So between chapter 1 and chapter 2, I don't know what the time span was. It couldn't have been too long. He was only in there three days. But between chapter 1 and chapter 2, this is when God was really going to work. And there's three words I'm going to give you for the next three weeks. Each week we're going to look at one word that I think kind of sums up the book of Jonah and what God was trying to do in Jonah's life. And I'm convinced now after studying this and looking at this and examining this in my own personal life and looking at it not from a study standpoint because there wasn't nothing to, to draw from. I just sat down, looked at the word, read the word, prayed over it, and God began to speak and show me some things about this. The first word that Jonah did, God wanted Jonah to think. 
while he's in the belly. Now, I didn't hear any shouting, any amen, any glory to God, any hallelujahs. I didn't hear any of that kind of expression like that. Because I think the reason why, maybe, is because sometimes we've lost the art of thinking. Who thinks anymore? Who has thoughts anymore? I mean, look at most of our lives. And, I, and I'm speaking to me. I'm not getting on to anybody in this room. I promise you that. I'm speaking about Dr. K right here, right now. You got the newspaper right here. You got the telephone right here. You got your iPad right here. You got the TV clicker right here. You got your business right here. And this is kind of how our life is lived every day now with a constant looking at something and busy, 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 busy. What happened to having a thought? Well, I ain't got time to think. I'm reading this. I'm looking at this. I'm checking my phone. I'm emailing. I'm looking at my text. I'm responding. I'm going on Facebook. I'm looking at whatever the things are on phones now. I'm looking at all of these things. And I, you think? What do you mean think? I ain't got time to think. Tell that to God. Tell that to God and see what he does. Hey, God, I love you this morning. I, I praise you. I glory in your presence. But God, I ain't got time to think. Be careful. Look closely around you. There might be an Uber waiting on you. <laughs> Put your name on it. And you're going to go on a ride. Maybe you wish you never went on before in your life, but it could have been the best ride you've ever been on because it was a ride that God took you on to get your attention to do what God had called you to do. Here's Jonah. In this belly... He begins to think. You know what? Man, I made some bad decisions. Did he not make a bad decision? Sure he did. I want you to go to Nineveh. Nope, not doing that. I'm going to Tarshish. As far away as I can from you. David said, hey guys, hey guys, listen to what the psalmist David said. No matter where you go, God's there. You go up, you go down, you go around, you go here. Wherever you go, God is there. But Jonah thought, hey, if I get far enough away, whew, I'll get out of the presence of God. I've tried that. It don't work. So here's Jonah. Man, I made some bad decisions. If you don't think, then you'll never know you made bad decisions. Thinking bad decisions. And you know what he thought while he's in this belly of this fish going everywhere? Man, I made some bad decisions, and they got me on some bad directions. Bad directions because I was supposed to go here, but I went there. Now, did you think that he thought, man, I blew it? Have you ever blown it before with God? Have you ever disobeyed God? Have you ever done the opposite, maybe, of what God was calling and asking you to, to do? Man, bad directions, bad decisions. And thirdly, this is what ended up in Jonah's life as he began to put all this and process together with some thoughts. He said, you know what? Man, right now, as I look around, as I look around, I am having a bad day. <laughs> a bad day. <laughs> a really bad day. It wasn't common to go riding around in a fish's belly, was it? It wasn't the everyday thing to do, was it? It wasn't, hey, let's just go ride around this afternoon, kids. Okay, what are we going to ride in? We're going to ride in a fish's belly. It wasn't a common thing. He looked around, thought, ah, bad decisions. 
Gracious, these directions. I went the wrong way. And now look at me. <laughs> I'm having a bad day. Think. Jonah put some thoughts together in that belly. Jonah began to think, and he maybe began to ask himself some questions like this. Why am I here? Why am I here? I've done that many times in my life. I promise you many, 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 many times in my life I've sat down and asked that question, why am I here? Is it something that I did? Is it something that God did? Is it something that Satan did? I think we need to analyze those three things in our lives on a constant basis. Why am I here? How did I get here? What did I do? Ah, disobeyed God. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in in church services like this and Sunday school classes and Bible studies and devotion times. This is where the Holy Spirit of God comes in when you and I look at His Word and examine His Word and we start looking at things objectively and spiritually. God begins to speak to us and tells us, let me tell you something, Randy. The reason why is because, and it usually starts with a you, you disobeyed me. Or you did not fulfill. Or you, 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 you. And you, how did I get here? Jonah. Number three, when did I get off track? As I told the early service this morning, I don't think all this happened in like two minutes before he jumped into the fish. Because I think most of us are smart enough not to fall for that that quickly. So I've always learned, and I've seen this in my own life, and I've seen this in countless other people's lives as well. When you finally get in the belly of the fish, it didn't just happen five minutes ago. It usually happened a long time ago back over here somewhere. Something, someone, something began to happen. You began to have some thoughts. You began to think. You began to hear. You began to listen. You began to read. You began to search Google for answers. It's the worst thing you and I can do. You start doing all this kind of stuff, and you think, well, the doubt comes in, and hmm, that makes sense. Or I shouldn't be going to Nineveh. Those people are crazy down there. Those people are nuts down there. I don't want to go. In fact, I hate those people. I'm not going there. I think all that happened long before he ever got into the belly. And this is something he had to think about. When, when, when did I get off track to the point that I said, God, I'm not going there. I simply am not going to obey you. I simply am not going to Nineveh. He thought about that. He thought about where. Where did all this begin? A week ago, two weeks ago, a year ago, when did all this begin? The last thing he thought of was this. Who influenced me? Who influenced me? Who put the seed of doubt in my mind? Was it a family member? Was it a friend? Was it your daddy, your mother, your grandparents, your friends? Who was it? Who put something in your mind, Jonah, right here, that when you got right here and had to make the decision, you let that junk and that stuff steal you from obeying God and then boldly said, I'm not going to Nineveh, God. I'm not doing it. Who influenced you for that? And he began to think. I would call you to think this week. You, you, you want to make a commitment with me this morning? 
Will you at some point this week, and I will do the same thing that I'm asking of you because I think that's a sign of a good leader, that I'm asking you to do what I will do this week. Can we at some point this week, at some point this week, cut everything off, put your phone in another room, put the clicker wherever you want to put it somewhere, just get rid of the clicker, put the newspaper down, put your computer down, put your work down, and go get in a room, let's just say, for 15 minutes. If I can get 15 minutes out of you and me, I think we've accomplished something. Just 15 minutes this week. You have to cut the lights off and just sit there and think. Now, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. I've done that many times. And you can rest assured, if you get quiet enough and you listen, you will hear the Holy Spirit of God speak to you. It might not always be, well, this is what you're doing, Randy. You, it's, it might not be a whipping session. God will do that anyway, but it might not be that. But I'm telling you what, God might put something in your heart that's going to change your life and change your destiny. Can I get 15 minutes out of you this week? I'll give it. And let's check in next week and see. Tell me what God said to you. Tell me how God spoke to you. Tell me maybe what you learned. And I'll try to bring a report to you as well for 15 minutes. Let's close it out by looking at chapter 2. Chapter 2, just, we're just going to look at four verses in here. Chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. He heard my voice, for you had cast me into the depth, into the heart of the sea. And the current engulfed me, and your breakers and billows passed over me. Let's stop there. We'll pick it back up. Let's stop right there. And let me tell you the two things that I think that happened in this story. While Jonah is alive and well in the belly, thinking about what's going on in his life, figuring out why he's in there, what messed him up, where he got off track, all of these things I think are taking place in his life because we're going to have a good outcome at the end. But a good outcome only because as we dealt with where we are and what we're doing. And this is what he's doing. But listen to the first thing that he did. You're in the belly of the fish. Ah, this mess that you're in because of disobedience. You're running from God. You're, you're telling God, hey, I'm not doing that. Don't ask me again. I'm not doing it. But in that belly, the Spirit of God worked in him. He had some thinking moments. And God used his thought life to speak words into his life. And then he said one of the most remarkable things that you wouldn't think a man in disobedience would say. A man who was angry, maybe a man who was bitter. Maybe it was a man who was so staunch, and I'm not doing that. I'm telling you, I'm not going to Nineveh. A man who would have that characteristic in his life. But then he said the most exciting thing in the world, and this is what thinking will do for you. It will create one incredible prayer life. One incredible prayer life is what's going to happen when you pray. Now, again, I'm not talking about blessing the food, praying before you go to bed, now lay me down to sleep, my soul to keep. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about you're in a mess. Are you having a difficulty? Are you having some uncertainties? Are you trying to figure out about, should I do this, should I do that, should I move there, should I go there, should I do All these things that we deal with in our life. And Jonah is teaching us this incredible lesson. He said, I prayed. <laughs> how flippantly we use that word in the Christian life and how flippant we use that word in the church. Hey, I prayed. Well, pray about it. I want you to pray about it. Well, will you pray for me? Yes, I'll pray for you. We so flippantly use that. But here's Jonah praying almost out of desperation. Praying because he's in a mess. He knows he's in a mess. knows how he got in the mess. And he knows he needs God to help him. So he said, I prayed. And I don't think it was no two-minute prayer. I don't think it was some kind of quick prayer. Oh, God, help me out of this mess. Or, as we call it, the, a jailhouse conversion or a deathbed conversion. Oh, God, if you get me out of this mess that I'm in now. Oh, God, if you'll heal me this evening, I'll go to Africa. I'll go to Nigeria. I'll go to the Congo. I'll serve you for the rest of my life, God, if you'll get me out of this mess. I don't believe it was that way. I do not. I believe it was sincere. And I believe he meant it with all his heart, body, soul, and mind. And he said, well, the most incredible thing I've learned in this is maybe I've learned how to pray. He prayed. And may I suggest to you, may I suggest to me, if we're going to get out of the bellies that we're in, if we're going to get out of our situations that we're in in life, you're going to need to know how to pray. Because prayer changes things. I love what Billy Graham says. Billy Graham says, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have moments of deep discouragement, Dr. Graham said. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh God, forgive me or help me. That's the prayer I'm talking about. Kierkegaard says this, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Hallelujah to God. Here's Jonah in the belly. The whole time, prayer was not about a get me out of here, get me out of here, God change your mind, this, that. No, it wasn't about that. It was about I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to change me. And maybe that's our prayer this morning. God, don't change my wife. Don't change my husband. Don't change my kids or my grandkids or, my, or our society or our government. God, don't change that. God, change me. Change me, oh God. Change me. The Bible says that he prayed and he prayed. And God changed him. Right in the middle of being inside of the belly. He had one incredible prayer life. Mother Teresa says this, prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God. Putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. I said to our early service this morning, that, ladies and gentlemen, is Jonah. Out of the depths of his heart, out of the mess that he was in, out of the situation that was bigger than he ever dreamed he'd ever be in his life, he cried out, I prayed. I prayed. 
I prayed. I prayed. The second thing and the last thing is this. It's one incredible prayer life. And I think one of the greatest things you'll ever experience in your Christian life is an incredible prayer life. Because if we can just understand when we pray, we're talking to God. We're not talking about some object, some foreign being in another land. We're talking to God the Father. We're talking to God. That should be incredible in and of itself that we have the privilege because the curtain was torn from top to bottom, kicked open and said, now you can come in and ask me anything you want to ask me. Pray. Again, the second thing. It says it in verse 2, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. <laughs> have you ever had God answer prayer? I know you have. We all have. Isn't it incredible? Isn't it great when God answers our prayer? But what about when God doesn't answer our prayer? I think God has answered less of my prayers than probably more of my prayers. Because I prayed with wrong motives. I, I, I mean, all of these issues, and that's another story for another time. But what about when God doesn't answer our prayer? Number two should be an effect in our life. And here it is. When you think correctly, think correctly, prayer comes into your life. But it also can create a great praise life. A praise life that says this to your friends who are lost without Christ, to your neighbors who don't go to church anywhere, to your people that you know that if they died today, they'd bust hell wide open. Praise that said something like this, God answered my prayer. What a testimony. Well, your friend died, or your wife died, or your husband died, or your child died. I'm telling you what, God answered my prayer. Praise. Jonah is having a praise time in the worst place of his life, the worst day of his life, the worst situation of his life. He's given God the praise. I prayed. And I praised the Lord. So again, let me say, what does God use in your life to speak to you? To say something to you? To show you something? I wish it came as easy as you sitting here this morning and listening to a preacher preach and giving you some principles to things to, to write down. I wish it was that easy, but for most of us, it's not. For a lot of us, we have to learn the hard way and let God do something really supernatural in our life to show us what he wants to do. So if you're Jonah this morning, and I think we all are and to some degree, in fact, I had a person after the 830 services that said, man, forget Jonah, that's me. <laughs> I said, buddy, I can understand and relate to you. We all know what Jonah is like, but I want us to know what God is like even more. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would take what we said this morning and what your word said and 
What a fascinating story this is of how you used the thinking process to change a man's life. Because Jonah had some thoughts. He had the time. You put him in that situation to have the time. He had the time. He didn't have his newspaper, didn't have his iPhone, didn't have the clicker, didn't have a computer. He had nothing, nothing but time. And he began to think. And you used his thoughts to change his life forever. May you do that to us this morning. May you do that to me. And God, as we try to give you that 15 minutes this week with no phones, no computer, no work, no paper, no clicker, we get along with you for 15 minutes. I pray you give us the thoughts that we need to know that will help us live the life that you've called us to live. And I give you thanks. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.